Hello, and welcome back in for week six of our Fall 2022 Curriculum Podcast. We are working through the Sermon on the Mount. We are making the turn from Matthew 5 into Matthew 6. This is Landon. I'm here with my good friend, Derek. What's up? And Derek, maybe if you just want to get us started, I guess I kind of already said this, but if you want to give just a little bit of context of where we were last week uh, and what we're getting into this week. Sure. Sounds fun. So last week we covered Matthew 5, 31 through 48, and that's where Jesus runs through a lot of laws, I guess, where he says, you've heard that it was said, but I tell you, and kind of makes the laws more strict. And then now we are getting into Matthew 6, 1 through 18. And I I really consider this the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. For one thing, it's in the middle. It really is in the middle of the of the sermon. There's about almost exactly the same number of verses before this passage and after this passage. And then also, it's really the core of the Christian life, I think. It is the heart of what it means to live out our faith are the practices that Jesus talks about in, in Matthew 6. So yeah, I'm excited to, to talk about them. Awesome. So as you dove into this section of the Sermon on the Mount, what kind of jumped out at you um, what got you excited? What do you feel like students really need to, to hear out of this, this portion? Sure. Well, there's a lot here. So Jesus walks through what you might call three religious practices. And as a side note, I know religion, religion kind of gets a bad rap, but you hear people say, you know, I'm spiritual, but not religious, or there's this like pushback against the idea of religion. And it's true that religion for religion's sake, or just for the practice's sake can sometimes be spiritually detrimental. And in fact, Jesus contrasts what living these practices out well, he contrasts that with the hypocrites, who he calls the hypocrites. And these are people who are just play acting, that are doing the practices for some other reason, probably a a selfish reason. But the three practices, the religious practices that Jesus talks about are prayer, fasting, and depending on your translation, almsgiving. So almsgiving is maybe not, or giving alms is something that we don't hear a lot anymore. We don't talk about. It really just means giving to the poor or providing material needs for people that need them. So that can take several different forms. Prayer, you know, we, we kind of all have some idea of what prayer means, but communication with God, a kind of personal relation uh, relationship that, that involves kind of speaking and listening to God, and then fasting, which is abstaining for, from food for a period of time for some particular reason. And that's really what happens in this in this passage. Is Jesus talks about those three practices and how we ought to do them well. He looks closely at our motivations. That's really the key of this passage. And it's kind of a gut punch to read this passage because it really invites us to consider and then reconsider and reconsider our motives. Why why did I volunteer to pray in this group that I'm in? Or why am I trying to pray eloquently? Who am I trying to impress? And that's something worth considering when we engage in these practices. And what really stuck out to me as well in reading this passage is how Jesus simplifies things for us. Mm-hmm. You know, he can, in, in the previous passages, uh, in the previous passage in the Sermon on the Mount, it can be a little bit, it's like, okay, I know I shouldn't be angry with someone, but what does that really mean? Or I shouldn't lust, what does that really mean? But here he, he really simplifies things. He, he lists three things that we should do. You should give your money away. You should be generous with your with with what you've been given with your resources. You should fast. Uh, you should abstain from food for a period for periods of time, and you should pray. 
And the Christian life can be difficult. I think we all know that. And at times it can be really confusing. Like, what's the best thing for me to do in this situation? But these are core practices. Uh, These are the heart of what our life with God looks like. And Jesus says we must do them. He doesn't say if you fast or Mm -hmm. if you give your money away or if you pray. He says when you do these things. He's expecting that his disciples will fast, will pray, and will um, give give money uh, to, to people who need it. And so these are these. It's just a simple message, I think, and it, and it gets to the heart, literally and figuratively, gets to the heart of what it means to to be a Christian. That's good. Yeah, I think that one thing that was helpful for me when I heard the Sermon on the Mount being taught at taught through one time was. Um, that Jesus really like gets to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so clear. We see that a little bit in Matthew 5, but also right here of like, I think he's just so concerned with like the heart behind these like traditional Christian disciplines or, you know, I guess they would have been um, Jewish disciplines at that point. But Jesus really is more, seems more concerned with the heart behind it um, than the actual like doing of the thing. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've never really thought about this until you, until you were just talking just now about it, but this might be a good place to start if you know someone that that is new to Christianity, like this passage, because it it lays out really clearly a few things. First of all, here are three religious practices that you can start with. This is, again, kind of the core, the heart of what it means to be a Christian is prayer, fasting, and giving away our resources. So that's one thing. It's like, it's just really simple, clear cut. Here are three practices that anybody can do if you're new to Christianity. But it also there's another side of that coin is that our motives are really important and how we do things are really important and the heart with which we are doing them. And if you can understand these two things about the Christian life and about living the Christian life, and that's, of course, I'm not saying that if you just do these three things and you're a good Christian or that God doesn't love you or anything like that, um, if you don't do them, but it, I think this this goes a long way to explain what it looks like to live as a Christian, and this would be a really good place to start if you're trying to explain that to someone. Yeah. So if I'm a student who's listening and I'm saying, "Well, Derek, I don't have very much money. I'm in college. I don't have <laughs> very much. There. I don't have very. I still much. don't have much money, and I'm I'm not in college. So there you go. Yeah, I don't have like much space to pray in my schedule or you know, I've got this campus dining plan or I live a block from cookout, you know, how am I supposed to be fasting right now in this season of life? Um, How would you say that these three disciplines like speak to the college life and speak to campus? That's a good question. So each discipline is a little bit different and and the the phase of life that you're in will impact it. For prayer and for fasting, I would really, I mean, really for all three, but especially the prayer and fasting, I would encourage college students, if you're in college right now, to make this, or both of them, regular habits. Because it may not seem like this. Uh, Hopefully you've heard someone has told you this before, but it really is true. You have more time right now than you will ever have in your life. Uh, You're only going to get busier. You're only going to have more obligations. You're only going to have more things to fill your day. And I know you feel really busy right now, and you are busy. I'm not trying to, to downplay that. But as you grow up, assuming, you know, if you, if you were to get married, if you were to have a family, you're going to have a job, where you're going to work 40 or more hours a week, you're going to be busier than you are uh, at the moment. And so the habits that you form in college oftentimes will continue beyond that. And if you are not 
faithful with the time that you have right now, and you you don't make prayer a priority, and you don't make fasting a priority, it's only going to get more difficult. And so it's especially important that right now, while you're in college, that these habits become a consistent part of your life. Now, the, the money thing is a little bit different, because when you're in college, your relationship with money is is different than it has than it will be uh, in the future, but also probably even before college. It's, it's just kind of this unique time, so it's, and everybody's in a little bit of a different situation. There are some people that are completely financially independent in college, that uh, that you know they're responsible for paying for their school, and they, they have they're in they may be in enormous amounts of debt because of school, and they're working several jobs to try to pay off college to the best of their ability. There are other people that are still kind of living off of their uh, family or caregivers' money and their family's paying for their college and they're getting stipends or whatever money from their parents to to live and to, to go eat out at Steak and Shake at, at midnight or whatever it may be. Um, so, so I grant that there's like a, a wide spectrum of difference here, but I would say no matter where you are, you have some responsibility for stewarding money somehow. And you may not have very much of it. In fact, you probably don't have very much money in the stage of, of life that you are right now. You don't have a lot of disposable income where you can just go blow it on whatever you want. However, I do think we're still called to be faithful and live this religious practice or duty out, even when we don't have much money. And I think it's a similar principle with fasting and with with prayer, except it's it's almost the inverse. Now that I sit here and think about it, that we have more t- when you're in college, you have more time, and so you have to be you have to create these kind of habits so that when you have less time in the future, that you'll continue to live faithfully. With money, it's a little bit of the opposite. That right now you don't have much money, uh, but but ha- but still you're forming the habits that will affect and impact how you spend that money in the future. So if you it may not be much, but if you just don't ever give any of your money toward any good causes to, to the church, if you're not tithing to, to the local church or, or giving money to people who are in need, it may not be much with, based on what you have. It may be a dollar. It may be five dollars or whatever a week. Um, but when even when you if you make $100,000 in five years, it's going to be still difficult to give that money away if you haven't already created that habit because it's the way you spend your money now. Uh, will impact how you spend it in the future. So yeah, just really encourage students to to think carefully about their religious practice, these three religious practices and how they're living them out. Now, there, there was another thing that struck me when thinking about how this relates to campus and the, the word that uh, Jesus uses continually, the contrast is with the hypocrites. And I think for those of us that are involved in campus ministry at CSF, it's easy to become what we might call ministry hypocrites. So I remember having this experience in college. Like I was single pretty much the entire time uh, that I was in undergrad and at CSF. And I remember several times where there were situations that would arise where I could practice one of these disciplines or I could serve CSF somehow. And if I was honest with myself, my motive was less about the service or about participating in the discipline and more about impressing cute girls or whatever. Right. I remember specifically like stacking chairs after synergy thinking, Oh, you know, people will see me do this and think, Oh, what a servant's heart he has. Mm. And this can really affect, infect our ministries and whatever we do. And especially these religious practices. And I think that's why Jesus uses that word hypocrite specifically, because that, that word in, in the original language is, 
you know, we kind of we kind of throw it around pretty easily as someone that just does something the opposite of what they say or something like that. But the word was really used in it was like a theater word. So it's like play acting that you you acted this part out on stage. And that's really what we do a lot of times. We act this part out in ministry to show people. We, we have this motive that we want to show people that we're good at ministry, that we, we want to show people how well we love Jesus. And that's just a temptation that we are faced with that we have to deal with. And I think it's not it's not only a ministry thing. It is it is campus-wide. I mean, campus probably in general is not impressed by our Christianity, but it may still we may still feel this pull to show people how good of a person we are or yeah. how good Christians we are. And that's just a temptation we have to be aware of. Yeah, I think that even campus culture just kind of naturally like pits us against one another in this kind of competition of, you know, who's getting the best summer internship or who's getting the best grade in the class. And I think if we're not careful, that could even seep into our, you know, campus ministry culture where we're comparing, you know, who's reading their Bible the most or who's giving the most or who's fasting the most Absolutely. and that sort of thing. So, yep. um, which I think that maybe leads into maybe one of the red flags, which is something we've already hit um, in other podcast, but just kind of this idea of like workspace righteousness. And so maybe worth hitting that just quickly again, um, as a reminder for students as they discuss this passage. Yeah, that's, that's, it's just going to come up a lot when you're reading something like the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't really have any, I think deeply, I don't think I have any wise things to, to probably add. It's just something to kind of be aware of when you're reading a passage like that. I mean, Jesus does say here, he says some things that are kind of tough to get around. He says, you'll only be forgiven if you forgive others. Now, that's still different, and we could get into the weeds here. That's still different than saying that your salvation is dependent solely on your works or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, is that even, even our forgiveness of others is, is God working through us. And it, Jesus isn't saying that, well, yeah, you just have to be a really good person, and then you'll get to heaven. But these, these, so this question of, of salvation or heaven— uh, it, it's 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 hard to avoid because of the way that a lot of us think, but it's really not the focus, the main focus of what Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching uh, about what it means to faithfully live in the kingdom of God and to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, not to think about some future life that we'll get, um, but to but to live faithfully that life now in the life that we have been given on campus. So I would say in your groups, just don't let this conversation dominate. You've probably already had it. And again, it's something that, that will probably be on your students' minds. But yeah, it's and it, it, may, it may be worth addressing if you think it would be helpful. Uh, but also, yeah, just I think it's pretty clear from this passage, too, that we can't dismiss the role that good works play in our mm-hmm. lives and in the Christian life, and we shouldn't dismiss it. That's good. So as we kind of step out of this week um, going forward, what's a good maybe practical application or key takeaway from uh, this this scripture? Yeah, it's, it's a cop-out probably, and it probably sounds trite, but I think it's actually really simple. Just three things. Pray, fast, and give money away. I think doing all three regularly is super important, and it's a practice, it's a habit that we should all take really seriously. And again, and I just cannot stress this enough, especially in college, it's worth taking these habits seriously, because whether you know it or not right now, the, how you, the habits that you're forming right now will stay with you for a lot longer than just these four, or in some of your cases, five or six years, and, and to do them also with the proper motivation, to carefully consider why you're doing the practices. Now, I want to add that just because you realize something in your heart of, well, I'm not doing this practice well, 
doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You should still fast and pray even if you notice a destructive tendency towards selfish motivation in doing them. Um, and, but hopefully it's something w- that while you're aware of it and that you continue to do it and do those practices in community, that your heart will be shaped more and more in accordance with, with what Jesus has in mind here and with the, with the good contrast. And just praying, I, I love what John Stott says in the, the little book, is like actually praying the Lord's Prayer is a super radical thing if you actually pray it, not just re- you know, kind of saying it because um, this is a prayer that we commonly say in communities that churches commonly say together, and that's a great thing, I think. But really praying through the Lord's Prayer is, is pretty radical. And so, um, yeah, just doing that and making these regular practices in your life and considering your motivations are, to me, the obvious takeaways from this passage. Yeah, it's good. I want to call out a couple of things that you said there, maybe something you said earlier of like, just if you just smart start small. I think in so much we can just feel so intimidated, like, oh, I have to do all three of these things at once, or I have to do these three things in what I deem like a significant way for it to be worthwhile. And I think the invitation here is to just start small and even just to take one of these practices and commit to it in a small way. And I think the other thing you said is uh, community, too, of like you're in group. And so you have the opportunity to practice this stuff alongside other people. And so you can ask you know people to hold you accountable and to step into these practices alongside you as well. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it, it can seem daunting. You know, there's, there's three practices that I'm supposed to do. This is like a religious obligation that I, that I need to do. But oftentimes these can be very simple and not very time consuming. I mean, fasting isn't at all time consuming, right? It's just abstaining from a meal. Like if you just don't eat lunch once a week or once a month or whatever, that that's that's starting a regular habit of, pra- of fasting in your life. And that's a good thing. And that's, that's not something that takes a lot of uh, bandwidth to do. And the same thing with prayers. Like it may just be in the morning, I take five minutes and just kind of quietly sit. Like that's a great way to start. So don't yeah. Don't feel the pressure that you know. I need to spend two hours a day praying, and I need to fast once a day. I need to fast one of my meals, and I need to be giving half of my money away. Just just start small and start and start forming those habits now, because um, yeah, we'll we'll continue to get like like pretty much everything. Practice makes perfect, and good practice makes perfect. So again, motivation important. Um, but yeah, just continue to do them, and uh, I think that that's that's a great place to start. Yeah, and I think we also need to remember that like Jesus is giving us these practices not just because, but so that they would be life-giving and fruitful for us. And I think that all three of these practices remind us um, that we're dependent on Him and that we need Him um, in, in giving our resources and um, in fasting and in, in prayer. We're all just kind of leaning and saying like, Lord, I need more of Your presence. And so um, these things aren't just to-dos, they're like life-giving practices that we've been given to be able to connect with Him and um just understand further his grace. So That's excited right. for yeah. you guys to hop into that. Um, we're going to even have the opportunity to flesh this out a little bit more with prayer. Reese is going to lead us through that next week. Um, but Derek, thank you so much for giving us some good wisdom on this section. And we hope you guys have great discussions in group this week. We'll see you next time. Bye.